You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I hope this morning sitting here that you absolutely recognize that uh, what I said earlier is true, that because you sitting here as a believer today, you have inside you the very nature of God. Old things passed away. All things have become new. The, the life of Christ now lives in you. And by the way, he happened to be, as uh, we heard, he happens to be the happiest person who ever lived. Full of joy, full of laughter, full of goodness, full of kindness, And we too then, by the very reality of that, should be the walking, talking evidence of that one who lives inside of us. And I hope sitting here this morning that you can testify that you are, of all men, of all women, the happiest person that you happen to know. If you're not, we've got work to do. If you're sitting here and you're not the happiest, you're not the most joyful, it leaves us a little room for improvement, so we're going to talk about it this morning. I want to return to the message a couple of weeks ago. I certainly appreciate Parker taking care of things last week. It gave Jan and I an opportunity to be out of town for a few days. But I want to go back to a message a couple of weeks ago about when I started by saying, if we know how the kingdom came, then we will understand now how the kingdom comes. And we talked about Mary and how she was selected when the kingdom came. And I, want, I just want to draw our attention to something. I want us to go to Luke chapter 134 where this story is, just as a reminder, very briefly. Luke 1 verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her. And notice he's telling her now how the kingdom will come to her. We get to look back at it. In the past tense, how kingdom came. And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God, shall be called King. The Holy Ghost shall come upon me, and the power of the highest shall overshadow me. Think about that for just a second. That's the way for Mary, the kingdom came to her, And it's exactly the same way for you and I today that the kingdom comes to us. Notice this, that the Holy Spirit shall come upon me and the power of the highest shall overshadow me. And I don't want to reteach that lesson, though I would love to stand here and do it. But there was something that happened in the teaching of that that happened in the next few days that I just needed to draw attention to. Because in the typical picture of baptism, immersion, we watch it happen up here. And the way this happens to work is we, we take somebody into the water and we immerse them. But right after the immersion, they leave the water and they go back and get dressed because it would just be too weird for them to stay in the water all this time. But what that has done is caused us to have an image, an incorrect one, of baptism, of how the kingdom comes. Because we notice Mary didn't move. 
Mary didn't have to go somewhere. Mary didn't have to find some appointed place. God didn't say, okay, I'm going to take you and I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to immerse you into the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, you're going to become pregnant. Then I'm going to take you out of that moment. That's not what happened. The Holy Spirit came upon her. And the power of the highest overshadowed her. Because look in the image of the previous one because it leaves us with the image that there may be a time when I could be in the Spirit or I could be out of the Spirit. If I ever get the image correct and I realize that what happened to me at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I wasn't immersed in Him and there's not even a possible way that I can escape not functioning in that because it's like the Holy Spirit came like this I do this in my office, it's much more simple, but it's kind of hard to do on this scale. But if you could think of this, of this clear solo cup that's sitting on my desk, but now we're going to have to make it about six foot six to cover my head and just realize that that cup has now come and it's, it's not, I'm not putting into it. It's been set over the top of me. The Holy Spirit came upon me. The power of the highest overshadowed me so that when I step over here, guess what happens? Still in the cup. What if I walk way over here? Where am I? I'm still in the cup. Isn't that nice to know that there's the basis of I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I might try. I might try to leave the Spirit of God. I might try to run from the Spirit of God. And guess what the Holy Spirit says? If you can outrun this cup. You know, we watch these I don't even know what they're called. I think it'd be fun to have one of those out here one of these days. I think Parker and I actually talked about it, where these people get inside these bubbles and they run. So you get that image. Unless you get outside that bubble, everywhere you're running, it's like, I wanna, I'm going to step over here. What happens to the bubble? Like just rolls over with you. Now, see, that's a different image to me. I like that image. I like knowing that every moment of my life, I'm not going to be able to outrun him and I'm not going to go into some place where, where I shouldn't be and think, ah, man, I got rid, of, got rid of him now. No. I love this because God says, because where you are, I'm going to be right there. Does that, would that make you more brave? Would it make you, would it make you have an understanding? Would it make you know that you're not forsaken? Would it make you know what perfect love looks like? Would it help you to understand what peace happens? You know, like, what would I worry about? What could I possibly think of today that I would worry about if I knew that I was in that bubble all the time? What could get bigger than the bubble? Not, not a single thing. But I wanted to take us back there for just a second. If we understand how the kingdom came, I can understand how the kingdom comes. And I will understand what, what happened when the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus according to John. And it said, and it remained on him. It didn't, there was never a moment when Jesus was separated from the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit descended and it remained on him. I use this as an introduction to what's pressing on me today. Why don't we? Here's the question. Here's the real message. Why don't we trust God? 
Now, we like to say, it'll come out of our mouths. God, I trust you. It'll, it'll come out. I trust you, God. But I know, you see it, I see it, I experience it often. I know that what we say today doesn't, doesn't stay in agreement with how we live today. Because it only takes the smallest disruption. It only takes the smallest amount of information to really cause a big disruption in us. How, will, will we confess that's true? That it, that it doesn't take much to throw us off. It doesn't take much of a moment. In the grand scheme of things, to just really put us in, in a tailspin of anxiety or fear or uncertainty. It just doesn't take much. So we can say, God, I trust you. It just doesn't seem to match how we live each day actually trusting God. And so the question is, why don't we trust him? Well, I think I've got part of an answer. And I want to share that because this is really where the Lord has taken me this week. <clears throat> every question, every one of those moments that causes us to go into a place of fear, every one of those moments that takes us into a place of disruption to God is simply an opportunity to, to learn something and to walk in something that He's already made available. We'll talk about that more tonight. Every, I hope you, re you recognize everything right now that you're going through that is a question. It may look like a question to you, but to God, it looks like an opportunity for him to prove himself once again that he's already established something for you that, that, can, that you can walk in. Why, why this today? Because many, and I would say not only many today, I would say most. Most or many here today are living under a concern, an issue, or a question that could be answered by trusting God. Believe me? Let me say it again. Many here today are living under a concern, and more than likely it could be a concern that has been around a while. It can be a concern that has been around a month, two months, six months, maybe a year, maybe longer than that, under an issue of something in a relationship, something going on that's, that's been around a while, or a question, God, what, when, how is this going to work out? A question, issue, or a concern that could find a complete answer Simply by trusting God. Now that's like, Randy, that's just terribly unfair. I get it. And I know that there's not going to be every one of these moments when we have that opportunity that we're going to actually recognize and understand what God is, is doing in our life. But the question the issue or the concern that is still persisting after a day, after a week, or after a month, and, the, and the, those things are now lasting 
for a long time, we have to acknowledge that at least in somewhere, if we're going to find the answer to this, that we have to acknowledge that, that God is the answer, that I, that I can trust him. You know, babies just filed out of here. Those babies trust that in a few minutes, you're still going to be here or they would be losing their minds up here. You know, David Brantley taught us, and I, I, I don't know how to validate this because I'm not really, a, I love pets. I, lo, I love for you to have pets. Uh, but David told us one time that the reason that dogs especially are so happy to see you when you get home is because when you left, they thought you died. They don't have this cumulative ability to know that, that, you're, that something hasn't happened to you. So they're ex- extremely excited to see you when you get home because you're reborn. You're, you were dead and now you're alive again. But I'm glad those kids up there have a lot of confidence in you because I don't want them up there losing their mind that you're not ever going to come back or that you're not going to be in here when they get dismissed in a few minutes. So here's the, let's, let's answer this. Why don't we trust him? I don't know if you even want to acknowledge that you don't, but in case there's the question here about do I trust God, I want to answer this. Why don't we trust him? Well, I know this is important because in my notes, I've got it in all caps and it's big and it's underlined. There will be no or limited trust if there is no encounter with God. Read again. There will, there will be no or limited trust if there is no encounter with God. Tony came into my office uh, last week, and he was he, he played a video for me, and I, I I apologize to to the pastor that was teaching. It's not a reflection on the pastor; it's a reflection of my memory. But it, we listened to a good portion of this message, and the message was talking about. Uh, when, a, when a baby is born, that baby does not know yet that you love it. How do you prove to that child you love that child? When the child cries, what do you do? You pick it up. You cuddle it. You hold it. You you pat it, you bounce it, you talk to this baby so that this he or she hears your voice. And when it's hungry and it cries because it's hungry that you feed this child. But God so wired that baby so that those external actions of love very quickly become to be internalized in that baby. External action creating an internal reality. Now, why is that necessary? Because there's going to come a day very soon when that baby is going to need to know that it's loved even when it can't see the mom. Because a little bit later, a few years later, you're going to send this child to school or, or into someone else's care or to a parent, or to somebody's going to take care of this child for you, 
And you want that child to know that, that, that they're still loved even when they can't see you because, because what you've done for them externally now is translated into an internal relationship, an internal love, but only known because there was external love given first. Makes sense? And science proves, and this, and this pastor talks about this and gives studies and all that kind of stuff, that if you take a baby and you feed and clothe them, but you don't nurture them, there's actually parts of their brain that will not develop. Something is happening. Well, we, it should make perfect sense to us. And we, and we get to live in the blessing of the fact that our child knows that we love them and that it's not constantly externally showing them, having to constantly externally just over and over and over so that they'll only know they're loved by the external stuff that we do for them because that would get really old. I've watched some parents try it. But the reality is that the external things that we did translated into something internal. Why don't we trust God when we can't see Him? Why don't we trust God when we don't hear from Him? Why don't we trust God when, some, when, there's, a, when there's a bump in the road? It's because we were trained, actually trained to believe that God does not encounter us and have experiences with us anymore. We learn that in, in, in church forever and ever and ever that the experiences with God or about what I can read in this book and my moment of salvation, we were actually taught that there would be no further encounters with God except learning the truth of what He wanted to tell us. And I want to tell you, I could tell my wife every day of our life, I love you, I love you, I love you. How much is it going to matter if there is no demonstration of that love to her? Will the words alone do it? Now, I know this is bold, but will the words alone do it? No, it won't. Because we were designed for encounter with God so that externally He could show us that we could trust Him so that in moments when I don't see Him, when I don't just hear from Him, I can still know He's in place. I can still move and the bubble moves with me even when I can't see the bubble. We don't trust Him because we have a history of no encounter with God. And I'm amazed by it, but it's true. Why don't we trust God today? Why are we living in such turmoil about what's happening in the world, what's happening around us, what's happening here, what's happening there? It just keeps us all stirred up. What's happening with the economy? What's happening in other nations? What's happening here? What's happening here? We're just like, you know, with every piece of news, we just get more stirred up and more stirred up. Why don't we trust God? Is He not bigger? No, it's not because He's not bigger. It's because we don't have any experience with Him. That says, I've been here before. I've been in the situation before. God has come through before. I've experienced God here before. I know how to walk. I know how to trust. Because he paid a way. Paved a way. Paid for that way. That we can walk in something so different. We can walk in that trust. We can walk 
in that understanding. Romans 15, verse 12, and again Isaiah said, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In Greek, that is pastuo, which means to trust, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. He's not asking you to trust him based on the words he's spoken. He's basing you to trust him because the experiences of the things that you have shared with him all of your life. If there is no reality, no external encounter, no action to validate those words, there will be no or little trust. We read the scripture again. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and trust that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Ghost, you trust because of him. You hope because of him. You believe because of him. He has proven himself and he will continue to do so. So you, you say, well, Randy, that's all well and good, but how do we build on what we've never seen or what we've never heard? I hear people say it all the time. I don't hear from God. So hear from, I've only heard from God a couple of times in my life. Well, I, I'm not disputing that, but, I, but I'm, I'm very certain that's not because of God. That's because we haven't been trained to hear. We don't often know what that looks like. So let's begin here. I want you at this point, if you can check back in, if, I have, if you've checked out, check back in for a minute. I want you to understand how to begin to build this history. How to begin to build this personal history with God so that this moment can connect to this moment, can connect to this moment, can connect to this moment. Because I'm, all, I'm equally amazed, even for the people who've had encounter, that they don't connect. I deal with some people who've had, and they'll tell you of great testimonies of hearing God and seeing visions and all these kind of things. And they're in this moment of brokenness and it's like, what in the world happened? How come there was no cumulative effect of what God has done? He's done this, he's done this, he's done this. And I get over here and it's like, I don't think he's going to show up here. I think I'm lost. I think I'm forsaken. I don't think anything's going to happen here. There is no cumulative history or no accumulative trust that comes from the history that we have. But let's begin here. When you consider, this will be, I, maybe your entry number one on your personal history. When you consider his great love for you and his moving heaven and earth to bring you to an understanding of sin, to bring you to an understanding of a savior, to bring you to an understanding of salvation, did that come from you or did that come from him? It came from him. I want to point at him one more time because it's just fun to watch him turn red. Do you understand how God moved heaven and earth to get Federico in Leveland, Texas? Sit down and had lunch with him again this past week and he's just telling the story of where all he's been and and, you know, and I'm, I'm amazed, 24, 24 years old, how God has moved heaven and earth. That wasn't Federico, that was God. It's history. 
You may not believe it, but God moved heaven and earth to bring you to a place where you would know that you were a sinner. You would know there was a Savior. You would know there was a way. You would know how to, you, you would know how. And, and so you have one entry already on your history to know that God moved on your behalf. So item number one, item number two, if you're saved, do you not have at least one encounter with God? Did the salvation come by you alone or did it come by him? It came from him. So you've got two. He brought you to the awareness of it. Item one, item two, you were actually saved. He moved on your behalf. There was a transaction done by God to bring you from lost to saved, from sinner to, save, to saint. He, the transaction, he did it. You have two items on your list. Now, are, are they accumulating? Third one. Did your baptism and your adoption as a child of God come by you or did it come by him? I'm not, I'm, I got to get a better response than that. Did, did your baptism and your adoption as a child of God come by you or did it come by him? Came by him. He adopted you. You've got a third entry in your history. The fourth one. In, considered, in considering answered prayer, you are him. Him. Visions, you are him. Revelation, you are him. Questions answered, you are him. Luke, when you ask him those questions, you are him. It's him. What's he doing? He's externally answering you, proving himself to be faithful to you so that over here when you can't quite see what he's doing, when you quite, can't quite understand where he's taking you, when you can't quite understand all that you're trying to understand, you can still trust him. Next week, I think it's next week, it'll be this next week or the week after, Andrew and Lisa Swafford are gonna be out here and they're going to speak in my place. And they're going to tell you a story of great healing, great restoration. They're going, to, they're going to talk to you. It all goes according to what God has shown. They're going to bring a revelation of, of just how mighty God shows himself to be in the middle of the worst catastrophes, in the middle of the worst news, in the, in the worst heartbreak, how God showed himself to be so absolutely good and establish trust in them. When considering unexpected provision, you are him. When Jan and I first married, she owned a 1973 Ford pickup, beautiful pickup. Not that it mattered. I wouldn't have cared what she was driving, but it was nice. Beautiful pickup. Had 33,000 miles on it when the engine went out for the first time. And we were so mad because the, the income tax return that we had just gotten was just enough to pay for that engine. It only had about 60,000 miles when the engine went out the second time. Whole new engine the second time. And we were so mad because a farm check had come in and that farm check was just enough to cover that engine. And we're, we're, we're mad at God saying, God, you know what you're doing? He said, yeah, I do. I'm giving you the money in advance so you don't have to worry about where it's coming from. Take it easy. I guess this aggravation will turn to gratitude. Is that what you're hoping for, God? 
Because I was hoping to spend that money somewhere else. In advance. Yeah. When a moment is beyond explanation, you are him. Him. When you heal, when broken, when you, when you, when you cut yourself, and I found I, do my, I hurt myself quite often, and you watch that heal in a few days, is that you or him? It's him. You want a history with God? You want to find out whether he's been faithful to you? Look around for just a moment. Count your blessings. See what he's done. I tell you what, if we don't trust him, it's not because he hasn't proven himself. He birthed something in us. He gave us of his provision of the Holy Spirit so we never had to walk alone. He's made tremendous promises to us. Him or me? It's him. And we sleep through it, struggle to believe it, because our, our history is unfortunately littered with I tried and failed, and now he's disappointed and frustrated at me. We'll either live in that history or this one. He didn't come through, so I'm disappointed or frustrated at him. In the Old Testament, God offers Joshua this encouragement. Now, Joshua was in a mess when, and facing five different armies when God gave him this encouragement, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Why? Because I've given you such a big army, because I've given you so much money, look at all the weapons that, and all. It's like, no. I want you to be strong. I want you to be of good courage. I don't want you to be afraid, neither be dismayed. Why? For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Now you've got a choice. You can live in fear of those armies or you can trust what I just said to you and know that you're not going to face any of those, any situation alone because I will not betray my promise. I will not go back on my word. I am a God that you can trust and if you will give me just a minute to remind you, I will remind you of all the external things I've done on your behalf, prayers answered, situations where I was there, blessings I've continued to give you over and over and over and if you'll let that history build, it will establish trust even in the moments when you cannot tell what I'm doing. Which is where God likes to take us at times just because how does trust become real? It's when he brings us into those moments where we trust him. We all have an opportunity for encounter this morning right now. Some will and others won't. But whether yes or no, it's not the Holy Spirit that will be the limiting factor. It's always us. He's bringing you to encounter right now. I can choose to walk in this newness of life and discover each day that the God who teaches me and trains me in word also confirms himself to me in unmeasured blessing and by his unwavering presence. Every word in this book, every word in this book is backed up by an encounter. Every word. He says he loves me. Did he ever prove it? 
I believe he did. I believe there's nail holes. I believe there's an empty cross. Did, uh, did he tell me that he would never leave me or forsake me? Is there, any, is there any evidentiary proof of that? Is there any history of that? Was there ever a moment? I, I think so. I think he gave me the Holy Spirit that he, that he would never leave me, that it would overshadow me, come upon me. I think there's an external evidence of everything he's ever told us that he would do. I would love for you to leave today the happiest you've ever been in your life. I would, I would love for you to be able to leave today with the greatest joy you've ever had in your life. Not because your circumstances have changed. They may be exactly the same. But I'd love for you to leave the happiest and the most joyful today for one reason, because you can trust God. I don't, I don't have another answer for you. I don't have a second remedy. I don't have a second way. I don't have an alternative. Because your question dissolves in trust in Him. Your uncertainty, your issue fades in your certainty of Him. Your concerns are released into His provision already given. And you've got a moment right here where you can say, great word, great word. Or you can let that word that God just delivered you transform your heart, your mind in this moment from bondage to freedom. You can walk in something else right now. We heard this and I'm going to talk, I'm going to share in a minute what we'll talk about tonight, but one of those things that Graham Cook said, I can walk in the old man, which is fear. But what did he tell us? I have an opportunity to walk in. What's the new life? What's over here? I can walk in perfect love. Because what? It casts out fear. I can walk in anxiety or I can walk in what he paid for, peace that passes understanding. I don't have to battle my anxiety. I don't have to manage it. If I can ever understand that he gave me an exchange for it and something I can walk in instead. I'm telling you this morning, if you're in a situation, got a concern or an issue that you don't know the answer to, you don't know where it's going, it's okay. You've got a father out in front of you who does know. He knows exactly, and he's not just parenting from behind you. He's parenting from in front. He's already gone ahead of you. He already knows where, what you're, where he's taking you. We think, and he lets us run inside the bubble, only to realize I ran exactly in the direction he wanted me to go. Was I really running or was he running? Am I running, taking the bubble, or is the bubble turning and taking me?
Well, I think I'd rather let the bubble turn and take me. He knows what I don't know. You have an opportunity for encounter right now. It's not, a, it's, it, it can happen at the altar, but it can happen right, because if it's really going to mean anything, it has to happen inside you. The encounter right now that you can have is just determining, how am I going to leave here? I'm choosing myself. I'm choosing to leave the happiest, the most joyful, the most trusting that I can possibly leave because God has so faithfully proven himself to me year after year after year. Eight years old to 64, he's proven by many external signs and wonders that I can trust him when I can't tell where we're going. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you, Father, that we can trust you, that we can trust you, that we can so absolutely trust you because you have proven yourself externally. And there's nothing wrong with us wanting you to prove yourself. But Lord, when you do, I just pray that you would find us believing, accepting, and letting these moments link together to build trust in the moments when we can't see, in the moments when we don't hear like we would like, when the picture's not clear yet, when we're walking in faith. Father, thank you that we can trust you, that we can trust you, that we can trust you because you have proven yourself so faithful over and over again in every story. Let us count our blessings. Let us go back and sing the old song, Trust Me, Try me, prove me, saith the Lord of hosts, that I may show myself blessing and perfection to you over and over. Trust, test me, try me, prove me, saith the Lord of hosts. Find that I am good. Find that I am love. Find that I, am, I can be trusted, not just by the words I've shared with you, but by those things I have shown you to in your heart, in your life, that you can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. Father, let us leave this morning the happiest we've ever been because even though my issue hasn't changed, the questions haven't changed. I see you, Father. I know that you have come upon me, that the, that the, that the power The power of the highest has overshadowed me. I live in the dynamic. The power of the highest around me always. When could I be weak? When he who is strong is over me and in me. Thank you, Father, for such a vivid picture and such a powerful reminder. Thank you for Thomas in this this amazing moment of just wonder of of watching you move. Because I want somebody else's history, testimony to grow my trust as well. I want to see what you've done in the lives of others to also build my trust. Thank you, Father, that you let us see by word by our own experience, by others' testimony, that you are a God who can absolutely, unquestionably, 
be trusted. Thank you, Father, for teaching us this morning. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.